Welcome to the Leadership Podcast series, Small Things Make a Big Difference, where I interview leaders all over the world and discover the lessons they have learned and apply on a regular basis that help themselves, their families, the organizations they work for, and the communities they serve in be a better place. My name is Spencer Holt. I'm married to my best friend, Brittany, have four amazing children, and I have a passion for leadership and learning. I've lived in Canada, the US, and England, and can use all three accents when needed. I love working in countries all over the world, helping teams, organizations, and individuals be better and happier by focusing on small things that make a big difference. This week on Small Things Make a Big Difference, I am elated, excited, and this has been a long time coming, Nate Randall, CEO of Gab, Wire, Gab Wireless. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks, Spencer. Appreciate it. Good to be here, man. The history of Nate and I, for listeners, Nate and I met Nate, 1997, and I'm just going to put it out there right now. For those that are not following Nate Randall on LinkedIn, uh, just do it right now because he posts some incredibly authentic stuff. And you're going to hear through this interview why um, his authenticity, his courage has not only at a very young age placed him as a CEO, but why he's had an, had an impact on so many different people at so many different levels. With that, Nate, can you give us just a look, quick little like who is Nate Randall and your quick journey in life today? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm a husband, been married 22 years to the best decision I've, I've ever made. I've got four kids, 18, uh, well, 19 today. My oldest turns 19 today, 16, uh, 14, and 10, three girls and a boy. I've lived in Utah, California, and Portland, spent the majority of my career in sports and tech. And over the last six or seven months, I've been at Gab Wireless and recently became the CEO about three months ago. So that's a very quick overview, but on the side, outside of work, love fly fishing, R&B and hip hop, golf, and then I chase my kids wherever they are in sports or music. I love it. And you probably would never say this, but you've got an, a, a really mean shoe game. I mean, Nate's got some shoes that... Mm. Uh, let's just be honest. Should we talk about the shoe closet for a minute or should we leave that for another conversation? No, we can talk. I, I was at Nike for five years, which is a lot less time than so many that have been there their entire career. But when you're there, you, if you're not in the shoe game, you're on the outside and you have access to the employee store. So half my paycheck was going there. So that's why I got into kicks. And then ever since then, I've just tried to pick up um, exclusives or sneakerhead items that are limited or rare. and I don't know exactly how many I have, but my wife, Allie, would tell you too many. <laughs> I, I love shoes. For guys, I mean, we, we really have shoes, a watch. What else, what else do we wear that adds a little bit of style or class? If I know you, you, you got suits and napkins and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> napkins. I carry napkins with me. Mm -hmm. So um, do you have more shoes than your wife or less? No, she has more. She has more she wears. Okay. I have more that are in boxes that I don't wear that I like to add up the, the value or the history or mystique in my mind, but she has more shoes she wears for sure. I think I need to confirm that with her. Um, okay. So 
Nate, one of the things that has impressed me is, is throughout your career, because I think we have a lot of listeners here, senior listeners, some people that are still just early in their career. One of the things that struck me in your career, you've never been afraid to take chances. And I remember you were at Callaway Golf and in Callaway Golf, you were a young marketeer. And can you just tell us a little bit around the YouTube internet commercial you made, the process behind that, why you did it and what that did afterwards? Yeah, so I thought I was gonna go to law school and I was playing a lot of golf. And while I was applying to law school, I thought, what if, what would happen if I landed a job in golf? So I applied and I got this opportunity at Callaway Golf and I was a sales trainer. So I, I took the job. I didn't go to law school. And I was a sales trainer training new sales reps how to sell golf product. And about a year, year and a half into that, we had a new CEO come in and he bought a couple of brands and one of them was Top Flight. And through some back and forth conversation, he asked me to, to take on one of the brands and manage it with, with another employee or two. And so we, um, we started rebuilding this brand and it was pretty much in the dumps. No one was really interested in Top Flight. They called it Rock Flight. It, it was a struggling business. So we had to turn it around. And to do that, we needed to do something crazy, draw attention to the brand that hadn't been done before. So we... We wrote a rap and couldn't afford to get character talent. So I became the talent, which is already pathetic. And we made a superhero costume and launched a golf ball D2 with me and a cape. And we put it on YouTube and I got a million. This is before YouTube was YouTube, really. I mean, it was right when YouTube came out. We got a million hits in a couple of days. New York Times, Detroit Free Press, a bunch of people did a write-up on it. And it took off and we sold a bunch of golf balls. And without too much more into the details, it's really what set me up to be able to go to Nike because they had seen what we'd done at Top Flight and this crazy video I'd made. And before you know it, the golf industry is small and people were talking. That's, that's really how I got to Nike. It, it's such an incredible story because so here you are young in your career and you're trying to balance the how do I be professional but how do I be innovative and make a mark and your idea was I'm going to get in spandex mm -hmm. I'm going to rap on video about a golf ball did anyone think Nate this might be a bad idea like before you actually pulled the trigger did was everyone saying go for it or do you have anyone saying hey maybe you should pull back oh plenty of people including family you know I, I had I ran I showed it initially to people and they're like funny, but that's, you want to put that out there? I was like, why not? I mean, a brand that's dead, you've got to do something different. And when we went out to golf shops and pros were talking about, Hey, I, I saw your video, love that somebody's doing something different in golf. And then they wanted to bring in our product. And then we started selling through the product. It clearly worked. So for me, I, I've just always worn it I'm, I'm pretty transparent and, and try to just um, be myself. And that was being myself. And we had a ton of fun with it. It was awesome. I, I don't, and I don't even know if it's around anymore, but I remember watching that thing and I thought that is so amazing. One, it was brave Two, you trusted your instincts. You listened to people, but said, I'm going to do this because I think it has a place in the marketplace to set 
the brand apart, but also you apart as somebody that is willing to do something that most people aren't going to do. Um, and, and I think that has that been almost like a standard for you then in terms of each job, did that kind of risk-taking follow you and say, Hey, here's a formula that works and I'm going to apply it in future roles. Once I experienced it there and I knew, I knew how to do it and I had made a bunch of mistakes within it, it allowed me to go do it again. So when I went to Nike, right when I got there, Tiger hit the fire hydrant and his life literally fell apart. And everybody, including the experts in golf, were saying, hey, Nike golf's done. They can't survive without Tiger. They built it on Tiger. Without Tiger, it can't happen. And so we dug in as a leadership group and kept the brand around and put it in a really good place. And even people at Nike were saying, get out of golf as fast as you can. There's just no way it happens without Tiger. But we figured it out. I learned how to manage a business through crisis, through a complete downturn, working with our partners on how to keep product moving without him being the flagship, and uh, really turn, really learned how to just manage through the heat of challenge. So it, that was another great experience. Oh, I love it. it. And so what I'd love to understand then is, we often talk about heroic stories, right? Like I love to talk about like um, the D2 man and the, and the suit because it worked. Was there anything that you tried that didn't work where you're like, holy cow, this just crashed and burned? And there was a lesson in that. Is there anything, I would love for you to share something that didn't work where people can feel like, oh, thank goodness, he's human. And I don't just hear about the amazing things. Well, I've had far more that didn't work than worked. Uh, I was at a company that I, I won't name, but we, we put together a, a marketing plan with some athletes and really thought it would help take the brand to the next level because I brought in my sports background at this tech company. It had worked at Callaway. It had worked at Nike. How could it not work at a tech company? So we went and signed some athletes. I made, or we made what I thought was pretty good creative. We put it out there and it fell flat and it fell flat because athletes in tech is a much harder sell than athletes in sports. So I learned that the the plan or the, the motion that I put in play over and over again had to be completely checked and reevaluated and adjusted for a different market. And you can't just keep running the same offense. I love that. I, and so um, now how long have you been CEO now? Uh, three, three months, I think. <laughs> three months, yeah. It's like, so are, are we still in the honeymoon phase or are you are like, oh my gosh, no, I'm in the like, the reality has hit me phase. Oh, it, it hit day one. <laughs> what has been so rewarding though, that I, I thought I would experience, but now I'm, I'm in experience. I'm in the middle of experience. It was so much more to come. The people and the chance you have to, to listen and understand where they want to go with their careers and what they want to do in the company and where we can take the company. I've, I've been in leadership roles before, but in this one, a full perspective of the company and to be able to step back so many times during the day and week and say, look at these people. Look at how amazing they are and what they're doing personally and professionally. And I, I get to be a part of it. It sounds a little fairy tale approach, but 
more than anything else over the last 90 days, that's what I've caught myself thinking over and over is I, I get to work with these people. That's, um, that's been the most rewarding part by far. How, how, how many people are in your company, Nate? So we have a little over a hundred, what I call corporate yeah. in queue. And then we've got, we're, we're growing our customer service team and have uh, well over a hundred there. They're, they're mostly remote or in a couple of our CS offices, but we've got uh, roughly today 250. Amazing. And the reason why I, I want to just bring that up is I think there are some CEOs that when you ask them how it's going, they might go to, I got stakeholder stuff. I got budget stuff. I'm, I'm learning about the business. Your first reaction was to go to the people and the opportunity you have to make a difference in the lives of the people that you lead to. And, and so I'd love, to I'd love to double down on that just for a second, uh, because I think there's a new brand of leadership coming. You're, I'm going to call you young because we're the same age. You're a very young CEO. Um, and I think there's a new brand of leadership that, that the world and organizations are, um, are flocking to because the, market, the marketplace and people need it. So in your mind, why do you go people first? Because I'm sure you're, I mean, it's not like you don't know what the financials are. You don't deal with other stuff, but why did you go to people first? It's I've always cared about people, mainly from what my, what my parents taught me growing up. And I've always been the happiest around people and with people. But over the course of the last 10 years, there have been points in my career where I've made when I was making the most money, the most in my base, the most in a bonus company car, I'd never been more miserable. And so for the first 20 years of my career, I felt like if I can only get that title, if I can only make more money, if I, if I can only more, 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 more. And then I got to that and it wasn't everything I thought it was going to be. It was actually miserable. And I was miserable for, for multiple reasons. And I'm, I'm generally a very positive and happy person, but miserable because I got to that point and then realized this isn't happiness. The money is not happiness. And the title is not happiness. And the happiest I've ever been in my career or life is when I'm with people that I really care about. And so I'm at this point in life where I wanna do something that really matters like Gab Wireless providing safe tech for kids. And I want to work with really good, solid, genuine people that want to do great things together. And that, that's why I've gotten to this place of if, if people are it for me, and I, look, I want to make money. I want to take care of my family. I want my kids to be taken care of. That, all that matters. But if money is not the ultimate happiness point for me and people are and is and always will be, then if I make it about the people and everything that I do, the people will take care of our customers and our customers will take care of our investors. Now, I've got to worry about all three and I try to do that equally, but if I have a minute to give, it will always be with our people. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. And, 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 and you're hundred percent right. I'll, let me just give a quick shout out. Uh, Gab wireless, although you, you didn't ask me to do this, but it is, it's safe tech for kids. If you've got kids, um, you want to check this out. And I think this also aligns to your core values and, and why this attracted you is, um, is it also helped you've got a family and you're trying to protect your kids. And today, technology and the internet and everything is such a danger zone. Just really quickly, uh, high level, 
tell us what, what is Gab Wireless and what does it do? So we're safe tech for kids. We have phones and watches and we have a system on these phones that allows parents and kids to stay connected in a safe way. So right now, no internet, no social media, no games. And we do that not with the intent to control, but with the thought that if families can stay connected, which is what communication is for, then kids can be out doing things that kids should be doing, learning a sport, learning, learning an instrument, out playing with their friends. Kids aren't doing that anymore. They're sitting on a couch and they're staring at a screen. I'm not a psychologist, but I know that's not gonna help them long-term. And so our push is, look, we don't wanna sell a device where kids camp on it. We want a device where they can stay in touch and then go do great things. You can't become the best at what you're doing, even as a kid and you're developing, stuck on the screen. I love that. Um, and, and, and as a parent of four, right, thank you. I, I think we need more, um, more value-driven companies that are trying to solve um, really what I call, you know, COVID-19 is a pandemic. I also think, though, technology and what it is doing to our children could be classified as a pandemic when you think about just the social pressures. And so um, thank you for kind of just sharing that. Check them out, you guys. Um, if you've got kids, I think you'll absolutely love it. Um, so I'm going to go back to something, Nate. One of the things that I would I would describe you as is a value driven leader. And you we um, you put out something on LinkedIn. Uh, I was it a, maybe six or eight months ago, and it was an offer to help college kids that come from single parent homes. And it was almost right around the time that you were um, becoming CEO. So I was like, oh my gosh, here's. I'm sure like, again, you are living into your values. A lot of people talk about their values, but then it doesn't show up in their daily actions. You're somebody that says, here's my values and watch them show up every single day that I'm out there. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing uh, with single age or, or single parent college kids and why. To answer that, just a, a quick personal history of my family setup, which is why I want to help college kids from single parents, from single homes. My dad, by his choice, my biological dad left when he was five. And so my mom was on her own for a handful of years and we had nothing. My grandparents, her parents had some money to help. But now that I'm a parent looking back, they didn't have much. My mom worked an hourly job at Associated Foods a company in Utah to make ends meet. And I watched her scrape, scrape, man. And she was single and I knew that her number one concern was me and my baby sister, Sarah. And then she got remarried a couple of years later to an individual who's my, I have one hero and it's my, my stepdad who adopted me and is now every bit my dad. But right after they got married, she passed away in a car accident. And so I grew up in a single parent home. I never had a situation for more than maybe a, a year to two years where I had two parents in my home. And as amazing as my mom was in raising me for that short period of time, and then my stepdad, now my dad, um, up through junior high and high school. I don't know what it's like to be in a two-parent home. And I know how challenging it was despite having those great parents 
to figure out how to get through high school on my own and how to get to college and how to pay for college. And so I look at these students now with everything they've got going on. And if I can be just a small part on a Thursday or Friday call for an hour in saying to them, I've actually been there. I know how it is. I know, I know how it is to go through divorce. I know how it is to lose a parent. I know. But if you got questions, I'm here because I've been through the other part of life, which is a 20 plus year career. And I'll help you however I can with whatever connection means I have to help you get on a better path than even I may have been on. And, and to wrap that thought, I've now pretty much since the start of COVID talked to hundreds of college kids and behind the scenes and through messages and texts and getting on separate calls. I'm a part of these kids' lives and helping them to make decisions. And it is the side of my own children. It's the most rewarding part of my life. It's awesome. When I have one of them reach out saying, I'm applying for a job. I'm nervous. Can I just run my interview thoughts by you? I'll drop. I, I've been in meetings, business meetings, and walked out to take a call from one of these college kids because they, I don't want to tell, I'm probably admitting this now, but they mean more to me than my gig. Because <laughs> I just, seeing them succeed and, and some of the amazing things they're doing has been beyond rewarding. Uh, Nate, first of all, I want to thank you for sharing your story. And uh, I think sometimes the, the challenge of, of a podcast is you don't always get to hear the authenticity or the emotion behind what people are saying. But um, it came through not only the experience about the, the love of your mom, of your of your of your stepdad and, and then your, your dad or the care for them, but it shows up in what you do every day. You are a living example of someone that is carrying forward a what you've learned and you've been able to turn that into how you are paying it forward. It is truly remarkable. And so I would actually, if it's okay, I'd, I'd give a shout out. If you're listening to this and you know someone that's in college that is from a single home, have them look up Nate on LinkedIn, have them send him a message and he'll put them in your cohorts that you're doing of, of helping mentor these kids. I, I had the privilege of being part of um, one of those uh, like discussions and workshops. And I was like, highlight of my year in 2021 was being part of that group. And so I just, as, a, as someone who's making society better, I just want to say thank you because it is super cool. And an example of all of us as leaders have a hundred things that we could be doing, but what you do, I think better than most is you say what's most important and then you calendar it, you make time for it. Uh, and I'd love to just, how do you discipline that? Like, give us the secret sauce of how do you balance all of those super cool things? And what do you say no to in order to make it happen? Yeah, because you're a friend, when you say those things to me, I, I appreciate it. And it also makes me uncomfortable. And it makes me uncomfortable because I don't, I don't really view it as, as paying forward or something that I'm carving out time for. I watched my mom. Like she, she had to do it all by herself, all by herself. And every time I think about helping someone, I go back to her and what she had to do just to make it through. And she made time for me. And I've been without her for 36, 37 years. 
And the impact that she had on my life for that short nine years is why I make time. So I, I look at it as because of my mom, I don't really have a choice. And that's not in a negative way. I just don't, with what she was for me and to me, I can't not do it. I don't, I don't know how to say it any other way. It's not, it just is. And so if I, if I have a minute, I try to make sure my own family is taken care of. My kids' needs are covered. Homework's done. Why don't you say, what, what don't I do? I don't watch TV. I don't have, I watch sports on occasion. I don't binge watch Netflix. I, any time that I would dedicate to that, I'd rather be helping a college student or helping to answer questions for someone, helping a single parent get into a better job situation. It's just where I find the greatest joy. I, I don't know any other way to say it than because of my mom, it's, it's why I make time. Oh my goodness. Uh, you know, oftentimes you, you can, you can pay thousands of dollars to go to Harvard business class, or, you know, you can, you go listen to this stuff. We've just had a master class on authentic leadership and being generous with your spirit. And just the way that you're able to explain that, Nate, I think also demonstrates we have an example of what I like to call a new brand of leadership. And one of the things that I am seeing, and you're an example of a CEO that views the world a little bit differently than maybe what our traditional CEOs are doing. And you lead different, you prioritize different. In your mind, are you seeing that amongst your CEO peers? Like, do you, do you sense that from a I think what, what's happened is we used, we used to have like a command and control type CEO where we try to, where today it's more sense and respond, but I actually think there's more about sense respond. And then also this authenticity of, we need leaders that are human and create a level of belongingness that people can relate to. Do you see that amongst your peers? And can you feel that happening in other organizations? Absolutely. Well, I think you and I, for the first major part of our career, grew up on keep your personal and professional completely separate. Go do whatever you're going to do in your personal. But when you walk through the doors as a leader of your company, it is business, business, business. And I was always torn with that because I wanted to be, I wanted to be me, which is more about people. And I felt like I couldn't because when I cared about that or showed any vulnerability or authenticity that it got, it, it got checked like I couldn't lead a business or I couldn't be the GM of this or how could I really care about profit and revenue and margins and return if I was also caring about people. And I finally just got sick of that. I didn't, I didn't want to feel like at night and on the weekends I was one thing and at work I was another. I just wanted to be me. And it was too stressful to try to keep it all balanced. It was really at, at Nike where I, I got to this place and I just said, I'm going to do me. And if it doesn't work, I guess it doesn't work. And when I started to really just be who I was, my experience was so much more rewarding for me. And I think people I worked with, there is this whole new wave, yes, of CEOs and leaders who are saying, I want my experience to be about people. But look, I'm extremely competitive and we are going to win in this space and we will be the dominant leader in safe, kids, safe tech for kids. 
and we are growing our business at 250 plus percent, all those things. But I want it to be with people. I, what's, what's great about it now, because, um, because I've played basketball with you and I've played sports with you and we've been able to talk a little bit, you, you're right. You are as competitive as anybody out there. And I think what we're seeing now is the balance of you can be competitive, but you don't have to be a jerk. Yeah. You know, you can be competitive, but I can care about you and what's happening in your family. And I think that's the refreshing view. In fact, I've just been inspired. The podcast is going to be called A New Brand of Leadership. You can do both. And not only it be okay, but you can thrive. Like I have no doubt you will win in this space, but the people that you work for are also going to thrive while doing it. Yeah, I, I shared a little bit about the loss of my life. Um, I, I just have experienced too much loss to know that it can all end tomorrow. And if my life is so about the next dollar and the, the next quarter and the next which all of that matters for investors, it matters for our business, it matters for our customer, and, and I am in the heart of all of that. But because I've experienced loss, I don't want something to happen that's out of my control and feel like I left a legacy that cared about one thing. And I've certainly had stretches during my career where the money and the title and everything was really, really important to me to a detriment at times because I wasn't my best because that's what I was so focused on. Balance and centered on people winning together has been a formula that has worked for me multiple times now. And I don't want to do it the other way. Mm -hmm. I don't have the energy or the interest in doing it another or the other way. Nathan, Chad Randall. I mean, I know not many people get to call you that, but you know, I am. Ah. Okay. Um, I, the, the beauty of our podcast is it's, it's short because it's called small things make a big difference. The, the challenge is I could talk to you about an hour for this. So I've just got a couple questions left. Okay. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you. This has been so insightful. Number two though. Um, do you, rem do you have a favorite line from the D2 rap that you can just like pull out from years ago? Like, I'd, like, can we, can we talk about the favorite line from the rap? Yeah. The favorite one line is playing safe golf is like sipping cocoa. That's my favorite line. That's the line that when I put it down, I was like, that makes sense to me. <laughs> playing, playing safe golf is like sipping cocoa. Yeah. The, the second line is playing safe golf is like sipping cocoa. I'll be in your face getting crazy loco. <laughs> but the first line means more to me than the second line, you know? There's just something about golf and sipping cocoa that hits. Nathan, Chad, Randall, can you please make up a rap for small things make a big difference? And maybe we make that the new intro for 2022. I'm just, I'm going to throw it out there. Okay. We just let's do it. Time. Let's, let's, let's do a collab. I like it. I'm in. Let's do it. You beat and I'll, I'll put my voice to it somehow. I think that got us in trouble one time, by the way. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. A story for another time. Okay, I'd love, you are a big music guy. So do you have a favorite song for 2022 or what's on the playlist that I can add to the small things make a big different playlist? You know, I'm rapping R&B, so I gotta, I'll, I'll say right now, listen, everything edited. Uh, you know Khalid? Yeah, do I know Khalid? Oh, I, 
there's not a song, I mean, probably a couple, but for the most part, if I'm driving, if it's a weekend, if I just need to check out chill, it's Khalid every time. So I don't, I don't necessarily have, I, I love all of his music, but that's who I'm going to right now. If I, if I just need to take a little bit of a break. Okay. Okay. I like that. And do you have a particular song we want to put on there or just the this? Oh, I'd have to go. I mean, he's so good to me that each time one comes up, I'm like, oh, that's it. <laughs> oh, no, that, oh, no, that's it. I'm not a good, I don't remember names of songs. I'm the one that when it comes on three, three beats in, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like me. I, I can sing the, I can sort of sing the, you know, like the, the rhythm, but I don't know the words. And so most of the time I end up just humming it and then making up my own words, but it's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Nate, the name of the podcast, small things make a big difference. What is one small leadership habit that you are really flexing on in 2022 that you believe is going to make a big difference in your life and the many people that you interact with? It's really simple, but I think it's extremely hard to do. I am trying to be 100% present in every conversation I have. So when I'm in the office and I'm walking down the hallway and someone's approaching me, I can be looking at my phone, glance up and say, hey, or I can stop and engage, whether it's for two seconds or two minutes, all the way to being in that conference room or in a board meeting. I'm trying to be 100% present in every conversation. I fail all the time but I want to be 100% present. I want people to walk away and say, he listened, he paid attention and he cared. If that happens, then it's about people. I love it. I know I can get better at that. I know a lot of people listening to our right. I always like to tell my family, like uh, phone down, head up. Um, yeah. and, I, and I love being present as your one thing in 2022. Nate, you've been amazing. I really appreciate you being on the show. Uh, guys never tell each other they, they love each other. I love you, man. I'm really proud of you. Back Keep at going. you, brother. Okay, thanks. I hope you enjoyed this week's session of Small Things Make a Big Difference. Nate Randall truly shared a gift with all of us today around the importance of playing to your strength, being courageous, and being authentic in everything that you do. If this episode resonated with you, share it with your friends, like it, tell everyone about it. But most importantly, I hope you took one thing away that you're going to put into your leadership habit that will make a big difference in the lives of the people that you interact with. And as an extra bonus feature, that's right, I found the Top Flight D2 Man Wrap for your listening pleasure. If you want to hang on for three minutes, 32 more seconds, check it out. This goes out to all the heroes, civilians, you can take mention. Open up your ears, have no fear. They said the brand was dead. Six feet under. Sales were declining, so it's no wonder. Brand so bad, couldn't get no lower. These men came along to run the show. Never lay up is my straight MO. Now you all sit back while I break the flow. What do we never do, girls? We never lay up. We never lay up. What about the pin? We're coming for you. Yeah, we're gunning for you. And if you were south, 